Moncrief on News Talk. We are going to speak about uh, something I read an article about and find fascinating how a parent-child dynamic can damage a romantic relationship. So we are going to speak to Stephanie Regan. Welcome to the show, Stephanie. Well, hi, Stephanie. Good to talk to you. <laughs> Stephanie, hi, Stephanie. Hi, <laughs> Seems Stephanie. odd. <laughs> um, yeah, people can't see that you're a PH and I'm an F when we're on radio, but sure, look, we'll forgive each go. other. <laughs> um, so, yes, I guess the thing is, you know, there people say, you know, did you get that done to your husband or organising the play dates, the start of school, shopping, crash mm-hmm. fees? the burden of motherhood disproportionately falls onto the mother and that can sometimes lead to a kind of a parent-child dynamic trap. Yes. And apparently it's a very destructive thing, is it? Well, I think it's, it, it can be, I, I think there's phases in relationships where you can end up in a little bit of that, as, as you pointed to there at the beginning, when you're, you know, uh, as a new mother, you know, you're, you know, you're doing more of one thing and, and the physical task, you're doing the mothering, maybe the breastfeeding, maybe, you know, mm-hmm. and, and someone else has allocated all the other more physical kind of tasks. So there is a kind of a natural, like that sounds to me like a time when that should happen. So there are times when, you know, tasks get allocated very sort of in a stereotypically kind of way. And, but the, the thing about, the thing about it evolving into something healthy and, and, and unhealthy, which I think is kind of where we were looking at in, in terms of this, which is the parent, where it becomes a kind of a parent child relationship where, you know, for example, you would, you would see sometimes people would be very, uh, dominant around money. You know, they know more about money. They do, they make all those decisions. So, so what does, does that mean that, that, you know, it's more like your parents, you're going to ask permission to kind of have money or to spend money. So, so it's really how it happens and how, how it develops. And of course, where it, where it comes from, because when we meet each other as couples, we, we're often drawn to the thing that we need more of, you know, so yes, maybe yeah. initially there's a drawing to this be it strength, be it financial security, be it steadiness, and sometimes the opposite. You know, there is a, a draw to the, the kind of fecklessness of one and the kind of the joy and the spark and the childishness of one. And, the you know, and then suddenly those things are not needed anymore. Mm-hmm. We need much more responsible kind of equal, equal, you know, sort of responsibility taking. And so, so there's a shifting and it needs to shift. And I suppose what, when it really goes wrong, Stephanie, is when it doesn't shift, when the situation demands it and one gets more parent-like and the other gets a little more infantilized, if you like, within the relationship. And where does the sex go then? Where does the desire go? Where does the, you know, where is the attraction? Mm-hmm. You know, there's all sorts of things can go out the window and, and people can become resentful. You know, you may not notice it at the beginning. It may be just one or two things, but, but if it keeps going, you know, resentment builds up and, and I think it becomes a very big fat turnoff. I know a friend of mine, I think that we, as you say, we're in a normal dynamic at the moment because we have a new baby. But I think, like, I know a friend of mine um, is a male and his, Mm. they were in a relationship and they are in a relationship and suddenly um, his partner, she started feeling unwell with mental health issues and she became very uh, withdrawn and needed a lot of support and kind of cajoling and to Mm. to kind of come out of that. But it didn't... 
you know, she he, she needed more support than he could give, but it turned yeah. into this dynamic of him looking after her and protecting oh, her. Yeah. And it absolutely, yeah. as you say there, Kills it killed it. their sex life. Like he doesn't, you don't want to have sex with a really? child. You know what I mean? This is no, not someone that you're exactly. now romantically attracted to anymore because yeah. you're in a caring role. So how can really people change that or actively without without revoking the care that maybe the other pe- mm. person still needs? Yeah, well, I think th- I think what you've what you've struck on there is that it can be something that you tip into for periods of time, and there's another there's another one that you mentioned, which is somebody suddenly becomes ill, something happens, um, and you you become their carer for a while. And let's be honest, that's we're all we're all committed at that level that you know we have your back when things go wrong and vice versa. But uh, it's it's to come back out of that, isn't it? And um, for for the person with, with the mental health issues, it depends obviously how grief they are, etc. Whether they are, you know, married, committed, kids, all of those things. Uh, can they step back at all? Can they create space for themselves? Can they create a new, a new kind of um, space, if you like, for the relationship above and beyond the minding? And uh, and also, if I may say, there, there's there's also there's a few things happening. The the, the individual may need minding, but there comes a point when they must mind themselves whenever that point is and and it can be difficult for the one who's been caring to let that happen mm-hmm. because their own anxiety levels have been sparked and probably spiked a bit by what's going on here not understanding it not knowing you know what that mood was about or or what that episode was about and so there's a huge learning for a partner in that and to get back to the desire and the equality is is going to take take time and take two people, I think, to acknowledge that and to see that new steps have to be taken. You have to look after your mood and do all the things that you need to do. And I'm not taking responsibility for that. It, it reminds me slightly of the alcoholic situation, if you like, that you don't, you don't become codependent within the situation that, you know, that, that you are assuming too much responsibility for your partner. There's times they'll need it, but when they don't, you've got to get back out of that position. I think that's what we're touching on there. So is it about noticing this in the relationship and then just kind of keeping your own side of the street clean and letting rather than yes. trying to navigate it together and say, OK, well, because that's the thing, yeah. if, if you if you're noticing, OK, I'm the parent in the relationship, going yes. to your partner then and saying, OK, I've noticed that I'm the part, the parent in the relationship. So you need to start doing this is actually just kind of calcifying the issue. Um, it may, yeah. So but you, it but about- it is about, as you say, keeping your side of the street clean. It's about recognizing that things, things are changing. Everybody has a backstory. I mean, the other thing I suppose here we haven't touched on is that people, you know, people come to, to the relationship with all kinds of backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's something, this is something I see a lot in, you know, the work I do with relationships that, that you will see people coming in and they're, they're, they're too much of a minder, too much of a provider, too much of an appeaser. And um, and it's about getting that balance. And if you want spark and joy and fun, you got to let the kid live and the parent live, if you like. But those roles should be sort of almost like revolving doors. They should be switching and changing. Everybody should get a break. You know, everybody should be able to to let go here and there. And um, and I think in order to get out of it, it's recognizing the backstory, recognizing the need, but also recognizing that you need your own personal space, that even if other people have needs, your needs are also important. And they are that you need not to be able to be, not to need to be, not to have to think about that person all day, every day. Mm -hmm. That's okay for an emergency. That's not okay for all the time. And it will never work out in a relationship. 
But it is okay for like periods, you know, like like yes. I was saying that like if you're having a difficult maybe few months, but difficult is it- few months, yes. And you can imagine when people go into the full caring mode, you know, it is, you know, and that's that's the promise that people do make, and they and you know, it's it's a, it's wonderful to be able to do it, but it's hard it is. for a couple. It's hard, and there's no no point putting it any other way. It's and desire and. You know, if you like the erotic and the fun of, of the sexual and the fun of attraction, it goes, goes largely out the window and it becomes a caring, loving, caring situation. So I suppose, you know, in young relationships, and I think that's kind of, I mean, I see you in that young frame, Stephanie, with your new baby. Thanks. And, I appreciate that. You know, yes. <laughs> I don't and, feel uh, it. Yeah, I know. I get that. But, you know, you have to think about, I think you have to think about that in the early stages that, in the early stages, you've got to watch out for patterns that are developing because those patterns can, they can be, they can be more sort of unconsciously driven and you can both accept them for slightly the wrong reasons. And, you know, you're creating a fresh family, a fresh space for both people, not saying you, 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 but you know, one is and, and you can, you know, you can do things differently. So you take the best of your, of what you learned at home in your own family home and you shed what wasn't good and what doesn't make you feel good. And you do both have to look at it like two cultures coming together because that is really what it's like. And, and it's, it's only, it's only actually really obvious when people, not when they're dating, not when they're kind of hanging out, not even when they're, they're sort of, um, staying over in each other's houses. It's when they, create a space that is like a house, if you like, mm-hmm. with a front door that is their own in some way. And and then what happens is there is an unconscious kind of reminding of the home that the existence and, and the kind of existence you had in your own original home. And we can all, you know, that pattern sort of rises unconsciously in us all men, women, everybody in that partnership. And, um, and it begins to get acted out much more. And then when the baby comes, it's even more so because now you're in this triangularized situation. So, so it's really important to nip it in the bud, talk it, talk it up. If it, I always say to people, you know, your own, your best compass is you. Your, what do you, what does that make you feel like? But what if people are listening and they feel like they don't have the luxury? of being yes. able to stop. Like you can say, okay, I'm, I am the parent of the relationship and yes. I organise everything and it's all on me and I have to make sure that, you know, yes. my husband has boxers for the morning or he won't, you know, or he'll just wear dirty yeah. ones. What, what is it? Well, I would say two things. I would say straight off, I would say two things. Stop trying to fix everything. Okay. Because you're carrying, I had a woman this recent, she's carrying the world, two worlds on her shoulder. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the children, the husband, mental health problems, and, and all of that. So I give you straight the advice that I gave to her. I said, you have to create the stops. Whether that's an hour in the bath with the door locked, whether that is at the gym, as you know, it's highly unlikely with young children, lots of responsibilities. You have to create something for you. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there's been a patterning there that people aren't good at putting themselves first. There's many days you give lots of time to other people, but you have got to be able to say, it is me first today. We have and, a WhatsApp with yes. a similar question, which is, is this mm-hmm. not just a result of one person being more organised than the other? It often happens that one half of the relationship is the one who tracks the bills, plans the dinners, knows when football training is. Why is that mm-hmm. a bad thing? The other person might be great at lots of other things like emotional support, fun days out, organising holidays. 
Correct. And I, I, I agree with that at some level. You know, we're talking about when it feels wrong, when it feels more like a parent child situation. Mm-hmm. And where, for example, you, one person is taking no responsibility. Like, like, for example, there's, you know, there's a big, there's a big party and everybody's getting ready for, for it. And you have one, one, one person in that partnership who doesn't even know what's happening. You know, that who's, t- who's not tuned in mm-hmm. to the run of the family, who's not tuned in to the fact that, that, um, you know, somebody is sick or that you're worried about something or you're worried about money. So people do have strengths in relationships. And, and I, I think it's, you know, but th- those strengths can't be sort of used against you in any yes. way. They have to be, you know, I mean, somebody is good at researching holidays. Somebody is good at, 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 at minding the money, but they shouldn't use it in a way that, that it, you know, makes the other. other- Yes. Yeah, or infantilizes the other. Like I see that all the time. I would hear women saying, you know, well, you know, he can't get a car. He's not, he's not getting a new car because I've, I, you know, I deal with the money. And it, it does come female, you know, as well, because lots of women fabulous with money and fabulous with organizing. And so, so it goes both ways. I see it. And I always think, well, is that, is that really, that just, I'd resent that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't mind discussing it. I wouldn't mind you saying, now listen, we need to, we really need to sit down and talk about money. We look at this differently. Let's talk about, you know, why you want that and what I want. And you have to be able to share what's in between you and what's in your mind. And that's the sharing of the culture, isn't it? You know, that's sharing of what we think is okay. I mean, I, I've obviously, I've, I've lived through two marriages and I can tell you, I'm a spender. I know I'm a more natural spender. Mm-hmm. I can see that from my family home that, you know, so you bring your culture with you and you have to moderate it to a little bit to accommodate the other person who maybe comes from a home where saving was very was important. Very important, yeah. And, and they, and people meet that all the time. And it's interesting, actually, Stephanie, it's often in the financial that it shows up. Yes, because I think as well as Irish people, it's quite difficult to, to, to even talk about money. Stephanie, I could talk to you all day, but unfortunately I can't. That is <laughs> Stephanie Regan, clinical psychologist and co-host of the podcast, Tough Love. Moncrief, weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.